Hello and welcome to our second episode of Series 3. And thank you, Julie, who offered this suggested subject. Now, before we get started, in my usual way, there is a song that I'd like to play for you. So take a step back for a few moments and relax and just listen.
What a beautiful song. And it's called You Are a Part of Everything by Josh Cayley. K-E-L-L-E-Y. If you want to look him up on YouTube. Isn't it wonderful when you look at people that seem to be able to deal with anything that comes at them? It seems like they have some form of inner strength. And we wonder why we mightn't have it or why we don't have it. In fact, we do have it. We just don't know what to do with it or how to connect with it or how to use it. But this week's subject is about compassion. But not just ordinary compassion, self-compassion. Now, when we think of compassion, we usually think about giving it to others. But what about giving it to ourselves? How often do we be compassionate towards ourselves? Maybe it's time we started. So do we need self-compassion in relation to being resilient in adversity? Or when facing adversity? Well, here's what I think. But before I get into my opinion on it, let's take a little look at what self-compassion is actually about. Now, when you think of compassion, we usually think along the lines of acceptance and love towards other people. And we're so capable of extending compassion towards other people, but in a way, we can't extend it to ourselves. We can't give ourselves the same thing. We usually see self-compassion as an act of selfishness or self-indulgence. But that's not what it's about. And it's not self-pity either. What it really is about is that it can help us to relieve many of the mental health concerns such as anxiety or insecurity. So what is self-compassion? Well, I believe that self-compassion itself is the ability, I suppose, to show empathy, love, understanding and acceptance to people who are in difficulty. So if that's what compassion is, then self-compassion is showing exactly that empathy, love, understanding and acceptance to ourselves. So why is it so difficult for us to show ourselves compassion when it's obvious that we can give it to other people? Well, it can be because of a number of reasons. Most of the time it's because we're afraid to engage in self-pity or self-indulgence. But other times we're afraid of, if we give it to ourselves, well, people will think we're selfish. Or people will think, oh, well, who does she think she is? And we don't like that. Now the problem with not giving it to ourselves is that if we don't give it to ourselves in the areas of vulnerability and weakness, it will lead to difficulty when it goes to achieving emotional well-being. We cannot be well internally if we don't know how to be compassionate towards ourselves. It's funny that some of the research that I've looked up around this has shown that women are typically... Uh, the ones who show less compassion to themselves than men. That's really weird. Now, of course, this may be due to the fact that some women are often socially assigned the role of caregiver, which would mean that we empathize more about nurturing and self-sacrificing. Now, if you want to hear more on vulnerability, the best place I could send you would be to YouTube or the TED Talks. You can also get them on YouTube. 
And the person that I would be suggesting that you listen to is Brené Brown, B-R-E-N-E. She does a lovely job with talking about vulnerability and shame. You can learn so much from listening to her and have a good giggle at the same time. Now, I personally believe that there are at least three elements that can describe self-compassion. And these would include, one, recognizing one's own humanity. Now, this would be around the fact that everybody is imperfect and that all people experience pain in one shape or form. Two, self-kindness. This is that you refrain from or stop criticizing yourself. Doesn't mean that you don't take a look at something and say how I could do that better. But what it does mean is that you don't consistently or continually criticize yourself in a harsh way. Three, mindfulness. And this is about maintaining an awareness of your experiences, even those that are painful. And it also means that you look at them not ignoring them, not exaggerating them, but seeing them in the present, in the here and now, even though they're actually from your past. Now, I've actually heard some people associate self-compassion with self-esteem. But I have to point out here that these are two very different elements to a person. Now, I have covered self-esteem in an earlier podcast if you want to look it up. But it focuses more on evaluation and achievements. Whereas self-compassion is a form of acceptance, even in the face of or when you are in the presence of failure. So what does it represent? Well, it represents a move away from being the ultimate best to being simply the person I am today at this moment in time. The person I am right now, right at this moment. It's a person who gets very high levels of self-compassion, but that might accept failure without defensiveness or justification. And that we recognize that all people deserves love and deserves acceptance and this includes our very own self whereas somebody with high self-esteem would tend to ignore or hide any personal imperfections now i also need to point out that although self-compassion is not the same as self-esteem it is possible for people that don't have self-compassion to have low self-esteem because both of these are important to have in our lives Now, before I go any further, I'd like to cover what we understand around resilience, because I believe that we need self-compassion to be able to be resilient when we're faced with adversity. But we need to understand what resilience actually is. Now, we know that life is not always straightforward. It's not a straight line. It's a road that we all experience twists and turns and bridges and hedges along the way. We know that everyday challenges and traumatic experiences can have long-lasting effects and impact on us. We'll say like the death of a loved one, or a life-altering accident, or even a serious illness. Now, each of these can change the way we see our life or our perspective on life. Each change can affect people differently, and it does affect people differently. What it can bring is a distinctive set of thought patterns, strong emotions, But more especially, what it will bring is uncertainty. 
However, most of us will generally find a way to deal with it or adapt over a period of time, especially to life-changing situations or stressful situations. And part of this is due to the resilience that we have inside us. I've often heard people define resilience as a process of adapting well in the face of adversity and in the face of trauma and in the face of tragedy or threats or just significant sources of stress. I've also heard resilience called bouncing back or coping with, but it also involves a profound personal growth. Only if we allow it to, it won't happen unless we let it. Although these experiences, much like a very fast river, they can be very painful and difficult. Nevertheless, they do not have to influence or determine the outcome of our life in the future. There are many aspects or areas in our life where we have control, where we can modify and grow. And resilience is all about this. This is what resilience is. To become more resilient will not just help you to get through difficult circumstances, but it will empower you to grow and improve your life as a human being, as a person, as an individual, which ultimately will improve the lives of the people around you. Now, what I'd also like to explain is what resilience is not. It does not mean that a person won't experience difficulty or distress or stress in general. The road or the pathway to resilience is more likely to involve considerable emotional distress. Why? Because we need painful experiences in order to become resilient. Otherwise, how would you know that you're not resilient? For example, if you don't have happiness in your life, how do you know when you're happy? The same as sadness. If you've never experienced sadness, how do you know you're sad? And how do you know how to get over it? How do you know to be able to cope? So we must experience painful and stressful situations in order to know that we need to be resilient and that we are resilient. So how do we build this inner resilience? Well, we build connections. We prioritize relationships that are empathetic and with those who can remind us that we are not traveling this path alone, especially in the middle of difficulties. We must focus on having people we trust and who are compassionate in our lives and who will be able to validate the feelings that we are experiencing. This in itself will support us as we find our inner resilience. Resilience is also known as strength. Another way to help ourselves find resilience or this inner strength is to take care of our body. And self-care is a practice that we need to have a healthy mind about. And this in turn will build resilience from within our thought pattern. If you think about it, stress is just as much a physical issue as it is an emotional one. Now I've already spoken about mindfulness in a previous podcast. Try to add mindful journaling, yoga or other spiritual ideas like prayer and meditation. Now, these can help greatly by helping build connections and to restore hope. We know hope is necessary when dealing with situations that need resilience or strength. 
one of the other ways is to avoid negative behavior, like trying to mask the hurt or the pain you feel with alcohol or drugs or any other form of substance. This is like putting a band-aid on a very deep and open wound. Instead, why don't we go and get it seen to? Get stitches in that will help to close up the wound and heal correctly. And here is yet another way, my final one for today. And there are many, many others, but these are just my favourites. Why not actively seek opportunities to help with your self-discovery? For a lot of people, the knowledge that they have grown or changed in some way is very clear to them. However, for others, they may need to spend some time in trying to see where they've changed or where they've grown. Sometimes we can't see the wood for the trees. And if that is the case, then none of the others are going to work for you. So why not find a therapist that will help you to search out and find the changes or the growth that have happened? So just before I finish, I'm going to give you the 10 ways to build your resilience. Find a sense of purpose. Believe in your abilities. Develop a strong social network. Embrace change. Be optimistic. Nurture yourself. Develop your skills. Establish goals. Begin to take action. And finally, keep going. Now, if any of you are interested in the spiritual side of this, there is a Zoom session with me and a couple of other people on April the 16th at 7.30pm until 8.30pm. If you want to join us, you are more than welcome. Just send your email address to balanderipsychotherapy at gmail.com and I will add you to a link that you can join us on the night. Stay safe. Stay well. Namaste.
to be perfect, it's a fight you gotta forfeit. You belong to me, whatever you do. So lay down your weapon, darling, take a deep.